98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports listen app. Listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Home court advantage. It's a privilege granted to the number one seed in the NBA playoffs. The Phoenix Suns are that number one overall seed this season. CP3 departed with them as the best team in basketball record-wise, and he came back, and they still the best team in basketball. It's an extraordinarily impressive operation. Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. With the dribbles pass Payton into the lane. He scoops it up and scores with the left hand. Altered that shot on his way into the paint. And Devin Booker has his first bucket of the second half. 13 on the night. All right, I, I misspoke earlier. And, and I'll tell you why I misspoke earlier. There was there was a stretch last night where Devin Booker rattled off like six or seven points in a row and kind of got them back in the game, right? There was a like he, like he authored a little mini run where I think they were down by like seven or eight and he rattled off like six or seven straight points and he got them back in, right? He came back into the game at the six... You're talking fourth quarter here? Third quarter, I think. I think Okay, third third quarter. quarter, He might have had a little bit of a run. I I took a lot of extensive notes, but I have play-by-play of the fourth quarter here. I know he came back into the game at the 650 mark. He got a nice long rest. He hit two free throws. Then he got a goaltending. So he had uh, four points right there. Um, And then he hit the two free throws after Clay fouled him. You know, but yeah, I mean, he had a terrible first half. He had a much better third quarter. You're right, but the first half he was two for ten from the field. Was really struggling. Played a little bit better in the third quarter, and in late fourth quarter it was Chris Paul who took that game over. As you mentioned a few times, that it was definitely Chris Paul. But book 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 came back at six fifty. Score was tied at eighty eight. He had two free throws. He got a goaltending call against one of the Warriors players, and then he hit two free throws after uh, after Clay fouled him. That was his six points in those final six. The reason I brought that up, all right, Suns beat the Warriors last night, one hundred seven, one hundred three. Devin Booker struggled. Devin Booker really struggled last night. He was five of twenty one from the floor. Okay, and there's a couple of things to keep kind of in context with Devin Booker's struggles last night. Number one, he had been playing some of the best basketball of the season, maybe the best basketball of his career over the last month or so. You mentioned his numbers in March. They were crazy, crazy, crazy good. Crazy good, except for that one game. And his numbers even beyond March, just like the last 13 or 14 games, have been crazy, crazy good. So in that regard, it was a step back. The other thing to consider is that he struggled against Golden State. He struggled against Golden State this season. He struggled against Golden State in his career. His numbers aren't very good against the Warriors from his time in the NBA. And when we were talking about this earlier, as we welcome you back into Burns and Gambo here, one of the points that we had made is that even on a night where Booker has struggled for the Suns, he'll have a little pocket where he'll do some good things, right? Yeah, even stretches. if it's just for a minute or two. Yep. And oftentimes you remember that and go, well, yeah, Devin Booker struggled. But man, for those three minutes, he was really good. I thought he didn't have one of those moments last night. He did a little in the third quarter where I think the Suns were down eight and he kind of got them back in the ball game on a little mini run that he went on. But his defense was good. His defense was good. And a listener pointed that out earlier. And they're right. right. We were talking about Devin Booker having a rough night last night. His defense was good last night. He defended well. And actually, it's crazy to think, he actually had a better plus-minus on the floor than Chris Paul did. 
I was surprised to see that. last. I thought Devin Booker's plus-minus wasn't going to be very good. They were better with him on the floor than they were with Chris Paul on the floor, and I wasn't expecting to see something like that. Yeah, listen, and that's the thing about, you know, when, when, when people say Book doesn't play defense, like that that, that, that awful comment on ESPN last week, but <laughs> just, God, I'll just never forget how bad that was. Indeed. You know, I mean, he goes he goes at it hard defensively. You could see how hard he was, you know, he was pushing it defensively to help his team win a basketball game. Listen, he's had struggles against Golden State. There's no question. I mean, you know, he was 5 for 19 in one game, 5 for 20. One and another. He is ten for forty in his last two full games against the Golden State Warriors. Now he's only played him three times this year. He didn't play in one of the games because in the first Golden State game he hurt his hamstring. Second quarter, I think he was driving to the basket, came down, pulled his hamstring. He left in the second quarter. He had ten points at that point. But the next two games against Golden State, he's a combined ten for forty, twenty five percent shooting on forty shots. Why? Because Golden State plays relentless defense. They are a premier defensive team. I mean, they're one of the best defensive teams in this league. It's not easy to have great games against them. They're going to make it a lot harder on you to have good games against them because they play defense unlike you know, 75% of the teams in this league. Now, I want everyone listening to understand. The purpose of this segment, the purpose of this conversation about Devin Booker, because, because we're, we're talking about a guy we were touting for MVP a couple days ago. We're talking about a guy that we're still touting for first-team All-NBA. Nothing, nothing has changed. And Devin Booker last night, while he struggled to score the basketball from beginning to end, he did defend well. And he did have a pocket in the third quarter where he got the Suns back into it. The point of this conversation about Devin Booker is to ask the question, are we concerned about Devin Booker if it's the Suns versus the Warriors at some point in the playoffs? And, and I'm, before I get your answer to that and we have a conversation about it, I just want to point out that over his career, not his season, but his career, there is no team against which Devin Booker has a smaller shooting percentage, a lesser shooting percentage, than against the Golden State Warriors. His shooting percentage against them for his career is worse than it is than against any other team. Okay. Are we surprised by that? They play great defense. They're Not really. long, they're athletic, they're deep defensively. Not really. I mean, Steve Kerr makes sure they have a real defensive mindset. It's a philosophy that they play with. I mean, they were, you know, before before all everything went to hell in a handbasket for Golden State, they were the number one defensive team in the NBA. No, they I'm get not, after it. I'm not surprised by it. Should we be worried about it? That's the question because these two teams might very well play each other. In I the don't think so because on the you know on a rare game you can they they can they can get after them. when you've got to play. Let's just say it's a six game series. Okay, they're not going to shut Devin Booker down six consecutive games. No team is Booker's too good. The longer the series goes, the more you start to get a feel for it uh, as a as an offensive player. That's great. Like great offensive players figure it out. Okay. Great offensive. Not good. Not everybody's going to figure it out. I'm not saying that if they shut down campaign, he'll figure it out. If, if they shut down DA, he'll figure it But Devin Booker will figure it out because he is a, an elite offensive player in this league. He'll figure out where to get his shots, where to get his looks. They'll figure out how to get the right matchups on him because not every matchup is going to be great for the Warriors. So Bonnie will figure that out. So as time goes by in the series, can Golden State shut him down for a game or two? Of course they can. Can they shut him down for an entire series? The answer is no. I just hope, I agree with you, I just hope it's not in his head. I hope that team isn't in his head. That defense they play isn't in his head. Because you, you, when I, you know... Interesting. I'm, I'm interested. Why, why do you think it would be? Just, just because that's... They are what 
the Suns are striving to be in many ways, right? That's the dynasty. That's the, the they're not anymore, but they were. They they were a full blown, full fledged dynasty, and because they play such good defense, and because historically in his career he's never done well against them, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like the batter pitcher metaphor you used earlier. If I'm a hitter, and I know that there's a certain pitcher, he's got my number. He's got my number. Half the time, that dude is in your head, right? That dude is absolutely in your head. You're thinking about it before you even walk into the box to hit him. And that is just a reality. That's just a reality of how these, these things work sometimes. I hope the Golden State Warriors aren't in Devin Booker's head the way a pitcher is in a batter's head, or vice versa. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's the case, but... The numbers, in some ways, don't lie. It's not just this season. He's well, last season against he the had Warriors. one it's, game against them, and he shot terrible yeah, in the game. It's, it's he's had his struggles. There's no question. I mean, all it takes is you know he's got to go out there in game one or game two of a playoff series and um, have a good game, and maybe you get past that. I mean, maybe you just need that. You know, that batter needs a, a, a double or a triple or going two for four against the guy or two for three against the guy to get past that. I, I again, I think the, the sporadic game here and there. Is not something that I would worry about. It's the in a long series, you're going to play, you know, every other day, and I don't think that Golden State could shut him down for an entire series. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast, and it works just like every podcast you love listening to. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android, and you're not going to miss our show. You can listen to it wherever, however you want. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast is brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. And go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. We talked yesterday about the rivalry that could come between the Suns and Grizzlies over the next few years. Should we be a little bit worried about what the Grizzlies can do this offseason and many offseasons to come? We'll explain why maybe you should be worried next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The home of the Suns. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. The Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. We're live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with us here. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Dimebacks just made a trade. Oh, it's not, really? It's not breaking. I don't think it's breaking news. Sounder worthy. What did they get? They traded Josh Van Meter to the Pirates for oh, okay. right-handed pitcher Lister Sosa. Didn't they just designate him? They did for assignment. I so. believe a couple days okay. ago. Yeah. No. It's. It's. I'm. I'm sorry. I, when your email says D backs acquire. You know, and you think, oh, what are we talking about here? And then you have to wait to scroll up I, to see what I it is. I read it. Don't worry. I knew the level <laughs> yeah. of news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, they good. designated Thanks, him Mitch. for assignment when they got the guy from the Cubs, that uh, Sergio Alcantara. You're right. You're right. They designated Van Meter for assignment. So it's just some, I mean, it's basically that's, 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 one man's trash for another man. She was in the trash. Archie Bradley trade, though, if you want perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, listen, this, this, this team. I mean, Mike Casey and Torrey Lovello's jobs are on the line on a team that maybe lose 100 baseball games this year. Like, I don't, I don't know what their expectations are internally for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, but if they have like, like, if they have expectations like they're going to compete for a playoff spot and they don't, 
I mean, maybe this is the year that heads are going to roll. Remember, they only give they only gave Tory Lavelle a one year contract extension. I highly doubt those are their expectations over there. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody yet about this. Mm. I highly doubt their expectations are this team's going to compete for a play. They might say that, but I don't know if internally that's what they're really expecting yeah. this year. Anyway, my bad, Mitch. You you had seen the email. I didn't. Uh, I just saw the headline of the email and I thought, ooh, they made a trade. What could it be? And as it turns out, I should have listened to you. It wasn't wasn't much of anything at I, all because you were struggling with Arizona. Sports station. I was, I was kind of stalling, stalling while I was scrolling up. I was uh, Dave Burns, master air filler. <laughs> it's, it's, I sounded like uh, Ron Burgundy yeah. from Anchorman. I'm you did. Ron, Ron Burgundy. Who put the question mark on the teleprompter? <laughs> yeah. So you sounded like I didn't know what I you did. were doing. I did. You, I was stalling. Yeah. I was, was like, stalling. "There's got to be a good player in this trade I'm, somewhere." I'm, I'm strolling up to my email. So you Ooh. do it completely different than me. You talk slow when you stall. I talk fast. I just talk so fast that nobody knows exactly what I'm saying. And it's just you when you talk slow. Everybody's like, "What is he doing, man?" <laughs> Arizona. I'm like, I, I just talk so fast that like people are like, "What do you?" Get? Oh, forget it. I don't know. I went too fast for me. <laughs> That's the truth. I've never, you know what? I've worked with you for 11 years. I've never noticed that difference, but you're absolutely right. You talk slow and I talk fast. To buy time, you talk fast. I talk as slow when as I possible. Yeah, when I'm stalling, I just talk really fast and I just keep saying things that I don't really even know what I'm saying. And I just keep talking and talking and talking and eventually it comes to my head and I can stop talking. It's outstanding. That's yeah. outstanding. Just like that. Just like what you did right. just now. Uh, we spent so much time today talking about the Warriors and why not. They looked really good in, even though they lost to the Suns last night, the Warriors looked pretty good doing it and have given us all kind of a moment's pause for how well they played. But let's not, you know, take our eye off the other threat in the Western Conference. And of course, we're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Suns, on a side note, are playing Memphis tomorrow. And the Suns have announced that Cam Johnson is probable for tomorrow. JaVale McGee is probable for tomorrow. The Grizzlies, on the other hand, are going completely the opposite direction. We already know John Morant's not going to play. Jaron Jackson Jr., Doubtful. Desmond Bain, doubtful. Steven Adams, doubtful. So if you're if you're looking for a Western Conference preview tomorrow night, you're going to get it in name only because it looks like the team Memphis is putting out there isn't going to be Western Conference Finals preview worthy. But the Grizzlies, can we got to talk about them a little bit? Did you have any idea how rich their owner was? Did no. you know? Me no. either. No. Their their owner is the third richest owner in the NBA. Yeah. I, I read the story today about him because I thought it was pretty fascinating. So I read this story about this guy and, you know, he's he, he was he was super young and then now he's got all this money and he bought out some of the, the partners. And at one point they were trying to cut salary and not pay the luxury tax. But now he's like filthy rich. And uh, that's why they're talking about, hey, luxury tax and all of this stuff is not going to be a problem. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of what caught my attention as a Suns fan, and I think what caught your attention as well is that we, we all believe the Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies, not the Warriors because they're getting old, that the Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies are potentially poised to kind of own the Western Conference for the next half decade or so because of all the young talent that they both have. And this story kind of points out that if that's the case, Memphis is in a really good spot to go into the luxury tax, to spend to keep their guys. They're probably going to have to because they've got a good young roster to go outside the organization to get expensive players to the point where I was reading a separate story today, uh, and there are quotes in here from Brian Windhorst, quote, 
The team has been sending signals it intends to be aggressive in retaining and acquiring talent. In conversations internally and with executives on other teams, the Grizzlies have been consistent with their message. When the time is right, Para will spend what it takes. Yeah. He paid to upgrade the facilities, the locker room, the yes. training and the weight room. This is all huge right there. Front office, scouting, medical departments. He almost never involves himself directly in league business. He watches from a distance, but he's very involved day to day. He knows what's going on. He has trust in the people he's put in place and he stays out of the way. He just writes a lot of checks. Now, apparently. They have not spent into the luxury tax since 2005. 17 years, but it looks like with the air group, but everything you just said, I mean, that's stuff because you question, do players want to go play in Memphis? Like, okay, Memphis, Tennessee's a great state. It's a great state. It's a great state. Memphis is a really fun city. It's a great city. It's uh-huh. a great state. It's a, you know, that's a great place to live, Tennessee. So, like, if you're looking at players, where would you want to go? That's an owner that spends a lot of money. If you people care about that stuff, facilities and locker rooms and weight rooms and training rooms. That's why when Trevor Ariza got here, he's like, man, if I would have taken a visit here, I never would have signed here. <laughs> like, dude, why didn't you take a visit? Because you just wasted ten million dollars of the son, fifteen million dollars of the son's money. You bum. But then the Suns went out there and renovated everything. They've got one of the best practice facilities in the NBA. They've changed everything. They've put. They've sunk a lot of money into making sure that they've got great facilities. That that matters. And so the Memphis Grizzlies now, with all the money they've sunk into everything you just mentioned, and having a young team on the rise, that could be a crazy to believe, but that could be a destination for free agents. I, I had no idea, according to Forbes, the only two owners in the NBA who have a higher net worth than the Grizzlies, Robert Para, is Steve Ballmer of the Clippers, who's worth $69 billion, with a B. Yeah, depend, right. I, he could make... Um, Billion dollars on any single day, but depending on the stock that he owns. Just in, in, in interest in, in what he owns in, in stock. I think it's Microsoft. Uh, you're right. Dan Gilbert of the Cavaliers, second. He's worth $52 billion. Robert Parra is third. He's worth $18 billion. I, I, I had, what, do you, what do you do with all that money? What do you do with it? Yeah. Buy your kids a car when they're 16? What do you do? <laughs> exactly. What do you do with 50? Like, give them all the nice baseball equipment for you practice. You live like John Gambadoro does. Oh, you take my your God, kids no. to Italy, and you go to Finland. Dude, I rent you... the boat. I rent the boat for like 800 bucks for a few hours to go buy the yacht where the guy and his family are going down like a, uh, a slide into the Mediterranean Sea. I'm waving at them, and they're waving at me. I'm in a rented boat for like three hours paying like 800 bucks, and these guys are in yachts with like slides and i'm looking at that like wow how cool would that be to slide off of the top of that yacht into the mediterranean sea that's what you do when you have 18 billion yeah, you have a yacht you buy a yacht. you have a yacht you probably have a couple yachts and you probably have at least a half dozen houses yeah. and at least a, a basketball half. team you have a basketball team right you're, you're probably making a million dollars a day on interest alone you're 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 living your best life probably right what is it right like you always love to say, money buys happiness. Money buys happiness. Probably the third happiest dude in the NBA is Robert sure? Perrin, the owner of the guys Memphis Grizzlies. The only two guys who are happier are Steve Palmer and Dan Gilbert. Yeah. The happiness, the power, the power rankings, the happiness power rankings. I hope your family member is not listening when I because I do believe that money buys my sister, happiness. My sister-in-law, who turns the radio down every yes. time you say money buys you happiness. What's she, her name? I, I 
Hey, whatever your sister-in-law's name is, money buys happiness. Carrie. That guy's Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> name is Carrie. She loves she loves listening to the show. Carrie, Ex- would that yacht would a yacht make you happy? <laughs> no, just ask it. Would a yacht with a big gigantic slide on it? Would that make you happy? She just, just want to know. She, just she, ask it. She just likes to turn down the radio when you I say just, it because she doesn't want her kids. I, listen, you know, kids should getting lessons from to, Uncle Gambo on this. Kids should kids aspire like, to have a yacht. <laughs> what was that? Kids like I like slides. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Slide on I'm top sure. of a yacht. My niece and nephew are like, but I'd like a slide on a yeah. yacht. Can I, can I, that sounds like happiness to me. Yeah. ASU baseball's in full swing. Head to the contest page, ArizonaSports.com. Your chance to win tickets to see the Sun Devils take on Cal this weekend. The NFL is made for bold moves. We've seen a lot of bold moves this offseason. Unfortunately, we haven't seen any out of the Arizona Cardinals. Are they saving their bold move for four weeks from right now? What is four weeks from right now? We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. The subject of the email that Gambo sent to me earlier today was, and I quote, Bernsey wants bold. What would it take to move up and get one of these guys? Uh, I've been trying to give you I've been trying to give you a bold. I've been trying to give you bold, but I haven't had anything. I've had nothing. I've got nothing. Stugats. You guy got Stugats. You're sitting there every year. The Cardinals make a bold move. What are they going to do now, Gambo? Every year they make a bold move. This year, last year they did this, and the year before they did that, and the year before they did that, and the year before they did that. They're always making bold moves. What's the bold move? I don't don't have anything for you. I don't think I sound like that, but okay. Okay, but I don't have anything for you. I mean, they got uh, Nick Vigil. They got Gladney. They re-signed a bunch of their own players. I told you they might, you know, might end up redoing Byron Murphy's deal and Jalen Thompson and maybe even DJ Humphreys. It's not very bold. They got Will Hernandez. He's going to be a guest on the, on the Big Red Rage coming up tonight at 6 o'clock. Yeah, yeah we yeah. broke that story right here about yeah, Will yeah, Hernandez yeah. was coming in for, for a visit, yes. But if it's bold you want, bold is not what you've gotten this offseason from the Arizona Cardinals because for four straight years, the Arizona Cardinals have done something bold in the offseason. Last year, it was J.J., the year before, it was Hop. The year before that, it was Kyler. The year before that, it was trading up in the draft to get what they thought was their franchise quarterback in Josh Rosen. Four straight years of an eye-popping, whoa, they just did that kind of off-season. So it was kind of an off-season move. They haven't done it this year. They haven't done anything close to it this year. Nothing against Nick Vigil. Nothing against Jeff Gladney. Nothing against Will Hernandez. Nothing against the guys they kept. Nothing bold. Four weeks from tonight is the first round of the NFL draft. Is that where we're going to see bold out of the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, one of the things that I would expect is that the Cardinals will absolutely kick the tires on moving up in this draft if the opportunity presents itself. Why? Because they need an edge rusher, and there's five really good edge rushers in this draft. Now, if you sit there at 23... There's a really good chance that they're all gone. There's a really good chance that they're all gone. Chandler Jones left. I'm glad he left, but they haven't been able to find anybody that could replace him. So now you look at the draft, and there's five edge rushers. But if you sit at 23, you're not going to get one. 
I believe the Arizona Cardinals will kick the tires on moving up in this draft to maybe get that edge rusher. Now, there's five of them. You're not going to get Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, and you're not going to get Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. So now you start to go down the list, and you say, okay, where are they? Well, there's a couple of players after the top two that are going to go. Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher out of Georgia, is a projected top ten pick. He's a guy that a lot of people like. Maybe he falls a little bit, but at least the top ten pick. There's George Kalaftis, the Purdue edge rusher. Usher, mm-hmm. who, you know, you look at the big board rankings and the, the, the draft, he's probably probably a top 15 pick. And then you look at Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, the edge rusher from Florida State, who is really just jumping up. Uh, a lot of people like his ability. I, those, there's five guys. I don't think you could get one at 23. I don't, so I think you have to be aggressive to move up and get one. So I would focus on Jermaine Johnson from Florida State and Trayvon Walker from Georgia as targets for the Arizona Cardinals if they decide to move up in this draft to go get an edge rusher. But I would definitely expect that they will look at doing that. All right, let's play these draft profiles because we're starting to get these uh, voiced by our our great talent here at Arizona Sports. Uh, This is Trayvon Walker's draft profile voiced by our own Eric Ruby. Trayvon Walker, Edge, Georgia. With an impressive physique and as an aggressive player, the 6'5", 270 defensive end uses his ruthlessness to excel in his role as a rugged run stopper. He does lack lateral movement and diversity on the defensive end, but his power and understanding of leverage makes him a weapon nonetheless. He's at his strongest against the run, but in the right scheme, a defense could pull more out of him. In college or in the pros, Walker is liable to run through whoever he's lined up across. His NFL can Comparison, Chris Wormley. Okay, that's Walker. Okay, there you go. Here's Jermaine Johnson as voiced by the great Sarah Cazell. Jermaine Johnson II, Edge, Florida State. Johnson is a player on the rise. He was a full-time starter for just one season in Tallahassee after transferring in from Georgia, but he showed great strength, speed, and versatility during that span. The reigning ACC Defensive Player of the Year called himself the best edge defender in the draft, and some experts agree, looking at his agility, tackling ability, and his relentless pursuit of the quarterback. Scouts have pinpointed lapses in a awareness from time to time, but with more time and more reps, he can prove that last season was not a fluke. NFL comp Raiders D end Max Crosby. So two players there that would give you the what you would hope would be the impact edge rusher that could come in and play right away. But you're not going to sit there at 23 and get him. Maybe the Purdue guy falls to 23, but I don't know that he would be. I think that for the Cardinals, I think that the other two guys would be more highly rated. The kid out of Georgia and uh, the kid out of Florida State would be more highly rated than the kid out of Purdue, who's a you know he's a he's a Greek he's Greek and he's a newcomer to football and he had a really good year. Now I don't think I, I think if they didn't make any moves and he was there at twenty three, they may take him. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a chance to maybe be aggressive. Now the other thing, me and you talked about this during one of the breaks. There's quite a few teams out there with multiple picks in the first round. There are, and it seems to me if you're going to target a move-up, that might be a good team to target. Because let's say I'm the New York Giants, okay? And I'm the Giants, and I'm sitting there, and I've got the fifth pick, and I've got the seventh pick, 
and I've got the 36th pick in the second round, and I'm thinking, okay, man, I can fill a bunch of needs, or I can take a guy that I really like at number five, and then I can trade number seven, move down, pick up a future first next year, or move an down extra second, or whatever. And get an right. extra first round to pick uh, next year. And, and so the Giants might want to do something like that. The Jets are in a similar set of circumstances. They have the fourth pick in the first round. They have the tenth pick in the first round. What's keeping them from taking the tenth pick, moving down 13 spots to number 23, right. picking up an extra first round pick next year that you can kind of parlay into something later? There are a few teams. The, the Giants have multiple first-round picks. The Jets have multiple first-round picks. Philly. Philly's got three, but the problem with Philly is that none of them are super high. 15, 16, and 19. But that's where you make the call, right? You make the call to Philly if one of the guys you like is there. So if the Florida State kid or or the um, Georgia kid. The Georgia kid is there at 14. You call the Eagles. You call the Eagles and see if you could get 15 or 16 from them. You know, now for them, it's not going to make any difference. If they, if they don't want one of the linebackers, they'll trade you 15. They'll get more points and value than trading 16. They'll let you take the linebacker and they'll get their guy at 16. Yeah. So the Eagles would be a really good sh- What's the third Eagles pick? Uh, 19. I mean, you can even 15, get 16, you, can even, 19. you can even get there too. And if the Eagles tell you, "Hey, we're not drafting this a linebacker. We're not we're not drafting an edge rusher at fifteen or sixteen. Then you say, "Okay, set, you look at seventeen, eighteen, and you wonder if an edge rusher will go there. And if not, maybe you could trade with Philly for nineteen. You're only moving up four spots, but you're taking twenty, twenty one, twenty two out of the play to get the edge rusher if you like the guy that much. Since you mentioned Karloftis, let's play his draft profile. We haven't played this one yet. I have no idea let's guess. who. Okay, let's guess. Let's guess. I'm going to go Mitch. I'm going to say Aaron Maloney voiced George Karloftis. Let's see. George Karloftis, Edge, Purdue. Nicknamed the Greek Freak Ow. of college football, this 275-pound, six-foot-four powerhouse can explode out of his stance. During his three years as a starter at Purdue, Karloftis showed that even for his size, he is a very mobile defensive end. His ability to gain momentum and pass rush is part of the reason he had four and a half sacks during his junior year. Even though Karloftis is a strong inside presence, he can easily be overpowered by offensive tackles who get to him quicker because he does not have ideal length for a defensive end. NFL comp, Philadelphia Eagles defensive end, Ryan Kerrigan. Collusion. Cahoots. No collusion right there. Collusion, cahoots. Mitch Teller. Collaboration. got to do a Greek guy. That's just how it works around here. <laughs> Greek, Italy. I mean, you're practically the same country for goodness sakes, right? I mean, you're just helping each other out. Oh, that's assumptive. I, I knew nothing about Mitch. I just, I guessed. <laughs> In fairness, we've played one from every voice now, so I was due, right? Yeah, you were probably due. It was due. You were probably due. It was due. And, I, and Mitch might have been the first thing I would have said if Gambo hadn't beat me. Really? Too, but yeah, probably. Oh, okay. Well, I'll give you first choice next time. I appreciate that. Uh, I will just tell you right now. You okay, want to play this game with one more for just to give you just to go? You want to just you want to? Okay, sure. Pick a guy, Mitch. Okay. Just pick a guy. Just pick. Oh, a, no, I've, I've got I've got a draft profile here. For, uh, you pick a guy. For Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon okay. Thibodeau. Okay. I'm going to guess Aaron Maloney. Okay, now who's colluding? <laughs> Do you know that it's her? No. Where no. did Kayvon Thibodeau go to school again? Oregon. Oh, <laughs> cheater. Pick another name. Pick another name. Aiden Hutchinson. All right, who do you want? I'll take Maloney. Okay, I'll take Sarah. Aiden Hutchinson. Edge. 
Michigan. Hutchinson is an ultra-productive edge rusher with ideal size, quickness, and polish. The Michigan senior has quick hands and an even quicker first step. And while he doesn't have elite bend at the top of his rush, he has an impressive closing burst once free. At the next level, he has a high floor, but his ceiling is probably occasional pro bowler rather than perennial all-pro. NFL comp, three-time pro bowl defensive end, Kyle Vandenbosch. There you go. That music behind that one is really distressing. Let's just play this for the rest of the show. We'll what do you just mean? I feel, like, I feel like I'm in a dance club from like 2045. And like and you don't enjoy it? 30 years in the future, I'm at some dance club or something. Well, you're going to be really upset when you hear nail tech in the background <laughs> of some of these. Well, then I, I guess I will be. Uh, no, you want to just do this for the rest of the show? I don't. No, I just want to go on the DK Metcalf diet. I eat one meal a day, drink one coffee, and eat like three, four bags of candy. It's not bad. That's probably pretty good, right? Look, One and meal. And he looks like that. And you get four bags of candy. You look That's like not that. Bad. That's not bad. The Birds and Gambo Show podcast, where you can get daily entertaining content just like this delivered to your inbox every <laughs> single day. <laughs> Subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. <laughs> You'll never miss any of the shows. The Birds and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Roy's Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. When we come back, Mikel Bridges has been on another level as a defender this season is he the best defender in the nba this season or is there positional bias against him that's next here on burns and gambo 98 7 fm arizona's sports station burns and gambo what's on tonight what is on tonight's Locally, nothing is on tonight. You can watch whatever you'd like this evening. But if you want to keep your eye around the NBA, I can tell you there's a real good game going on right now on TNT between Brooklyn and Milwaukee, where the Nets are beating the Bucks 67-63. It's funny. I was I saw Bill Simmons on Twitter today made mention of the fact that nobody in the Eastern Conference wants the number two seed because the number two seed might get Brooklyn in the first round if Brooklyn wins oh, the play-in. Oh, yeah. And so there, there might be teams yeah. might be subtly trying to avoid being number two in the East so you don't get Brooklyn right out of the chutes. Well, sense. It, it makes sense. It makes a little bit of sense because Brooklyn could be a very tough out if they get everybody back. That's on right now. And then later tonight, because they're always on national TV, the Lakers, no LeBron, no AD, they're taking on the Utah Jazz. Jazz beat him tonight. Lakers fall back to 11th in the Western Right. Then they play New Orleans tomorrow, and... You just start to wonder if that could, you know, pretty soon that dagger, they lose to, they lose tonight and tomorrow to New Orleans. Not that it's over, but that could be really damaging for them. LeBron is hoping to play tomorrow. He won't play tonight. He's hoping to play tomorrow against the Pelicans. Anthony Davis apparently is going to be a game time decision for tomorrow's game against the Pelicans. So, uh, that is what's on tonight. If you're looking for stuff to watch, but locally, like I say, there's not much on tonight. There's nothing on tonight really locally. We'll be back at it tomorrow with the Suns and the Grizzlies. Uh, uh, and again, if you missed it, Cam Johnson, probable for tomorrow. JaVale McGee, probable for tomorrow. There we go. And Memphis is missing everybody. John Morant won't play. Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and Steven Adams are all doubtful for tomorrow's game against Memphis. So right. that took gonna, some of the fun out of that one. Mike Bibby play. <laughs> Zach Randall. Michael Dickerson. <laughs> Michael Dickerson. You know, seriously, you know, like I don't know if you remember this all that well. Um of that national championship team, yeah, he was my favorite. 
Dickerson? Oh, I love Dickerson. I loved Dickerson. I, I always, watch. to this day, I feel bad that Miles Simon didn't just take that first round money that year. Why did you come back? I know. Don't Why come, did you don't come, come back. back. I appreciate Why? you trying to come back and run it back, your but first man, round you're pick. a first round pick. Go make your money. Oh my God, you would have got all those guaranteed money for three <laughs> or four years of guaranteed money. Why did you come back? I thought for sure Michael Dickerson uh, was going to be a great pro. He was good. He was good. He was good. I, I thought he was going to be a great pro. I, I remember I thought the world of him. So, uh, Mikael Bridges is a great pro, and Mikael Bridges might end up being the defensive player of the year. Oh, Gambo, so. Gambo's got a bet on it. He bet fifty to win seventeen fifty. If uh, yeah, seventeen hundred dollars. If Mikael Bridges ends up being defensive player of the year. On ESPN today, there was a story, and I, I, I sent it to you. I knew we were going to talk about it, and it's basically this. This it's about how players like Mikel Bridges never win Defensive Player of the Year. Thirty nine Defensive Player of the Year awards have been given out since they created the thing. Centers have won it. 25 out of the 39 times. A point guard has only won it once. Shooting guards have won it another five times, but none since Michael Jordan. Centers win it because they're big. They They block block shots. shots. They rebound. Yep. Um, they protect the rim. I mean, I get it. I get it. But the, like the arguments that Smart and McKell, these guys are all making for, you know, non-centers to win the award are really good arguments. I mean, listen, it's when you can guard, and in the old days, you know, point guards, point guard, guarded point guards, and two guards guarded two guards, and three guarded three most of the time, not all, most of the time. But now the versatility of these wing defenders. And that's why wing defenders have become so popular in the NBA. The, the versatility, the sure. ability to guard you. I could guard a one, a two, a three, a four, a five. The Suns loaded up on wing defenders over the years. There was Josh Jackson. It was TJ Warren. There was, you know, it was, it was Dragon Bender at times. Like they had so many wing defenders and they ended up keeping Mikhail Bridges. They had Kelly Oubre, wing defender. Uh, you know, three and D guys. Mikhail Bridges can guard anybody on the, on the court except for a center. Yeah. Uh, they, they each make their, an argument for themselves. Rudy Gobert argues that he should win the award because because he's the center, he's in charge of calling out the defense, he's in charge of making sure the team defense is aligned. Mikel Bridges makes the argument, hey man, I'm guarding the toughest guy on the other team every single night, you gotta give me credit for that, right? I, I might not be blocking shots, but every night they say there's Harden, there's KD, there's Kyrie, there's Steph, go shut that guy down. And then Marcus Smart makes the argument that you're making, and Smart right now is actually the odds-on favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year. And his argument <sighs> is nothing against Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert can't guard all five spots. I can, I have been, and I've done it very well. He's right. No, he's right. Listen, I think I, I listen, I would love to see Mikhail win it, not just for the for the bet that I made, because I do think he's the best defender in the league. But Marcus Smart is a, a great defender on a really good team, a really good defensive team. It would be nice to see. Now, if Mikhail doesn't win it, I hope Marcus Smart wins it. Because that would lead towards more wing players and guard guards winning the award. All right, that's gonna do it for us here on Burns and Gambo. Big Red Rage is coming up next. Will Hernandez, the special guest. We're out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, straight up two o'clock. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.